0: Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Today I have two intentions in my mind, and they seem to contradict one another, yet I would be very happy to navigate them both. On the one hand, I have something or some thoughts, ideas to share with you. On the other hand, I would love to just chat with you, to receive your calls. And Hear what you're up to these days ladies and gentlemen, so I will start talking But I absolutely welcome your calls with questions and or comments if you uh, Would like to call the number here is uh, 888-874-4888 also if you have trouble listening to us through the internet You can use the Listen Live by phone number, uh, and the number is 1641-793-7091. If you cannot call uh, and would like to talk to me, would like to send an email, my address is peter18resnik at gmail.com. Peter, my name, first name, um, number 1818, resnick, R-E-Z-N-I-K, at gmail.com. First, let me give you yet another tool from the workshop that I promised to deliver to you piece by piece. I'm talking about the workshop that I did at Gary Nall's Ranch, Keeping Sanity in the World That Went Crazy. Uh, I hope you are using those tools that I already shared with you. This one is how to respond to the events that happen. If the events are negative, of course, uh, you remind yourself of the words of Forrest Gump. Remember, shit happens and it always does. Or if you want to be more gentle, maybe you remember I shared with you what my professor from graduate school said, anything can happen and does. Uh, Whatever happened could happen before but it didn't it happened now. So the question is What do you do about it? And what can you learn from the experience? So if something happens or is happening in your life that is uh, Upsetting uh, You go through three steps number one is you think of what is the worst possible outcome You will say why to be negative uh, well Because what we are not facing is Most disturbing to us. So the first thing you do. What is you questioning? What is the worst thing that can happen? To you as a result of whatever happened uh, The second step you you resolve to live with it and then the third step You do what it takes to avoid that outcome. Knowing that the ultimate outcome is not in your hands. And that's it. But while you're asking these three questions one after the other, you're engaged, your mind is being creative, and therefore you are not anxious as otherwise you possibly would be. That's another tool, and next week I will share with you with yet another tool. Now I will answer a question uh, that Judy asked me in her email. She asked a couple of questions. One I already answered, I think, in uh, last week, and now I received this question. why do you, Peter, say peace to all who want to live in peace at the end of the show? (laughs) And she suggested that I do not say this possibly, I don't say anything about people who do not want to live in peace because they would not hear me anyway. That's an interesting assumption, but the truth is no, no. I say peace to all who want to live in peace and don't, those who do not want to live in peace for those is death and destruction it sounds harsh but in truth if a people do not want to live in peace if they are not pursuing peace so what are they pursuing war if they are pursuing war so you get what you pursue you get what is inside of you so if I'm not a pacifist. Uh, I will do everything to avoid a confrontation, but if somebody wants to kill me, it's my obligation to kill that person, and I would not hesitate doing it, Uh, protecting myself or my family. That's my answer. And now I want to share with you something, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I come back over and over again to a question that Carol from Brooklyn asked about um, two years ago, she called in, maybe some of you heard this question, Uh, by the way, Carol, I have not heard from you for a while. Carol asked, what is the purpose of life? I do not remember how I answered that question, but since then I have been thinking on and off about this question. Uh, And I thought that it was indeed the most important question a person can ask in a lifetime. And these two last years, I had been talking to Carol in my mind, still trying to answer this question more fully. Uh, One of the greatest Russian writers, if not the the greatest, I would say, uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky wrote... The mystery of human experience lies in not just staying alive, but in finding something to live for. I recently heard a story uh, that Rabbi Manis Friedman told. Once he was invited to a psychiatric institution, the parents of a 14-year-old boy begged him to make a visit. The boy attempted to commit suicide. So, uh, Manis Friedman uh, came to uh, to the hospital. Uh, he walked in the room of this young man, well, no, a boy, and introduced himself and said that the boy's parents asked him to make this visit. The boy did not turn his head, did not say a word. Then Manis was just sitting, as he said, for at least 10 minutes, quietly, without saying a word. And after a while, the boy finally said, why don't you just go home? I already had a chaplain of the hospital come and talk to me. I don't need another one. And then he said, and what did the chaplain say? And the boy said, something stupid, that God loves me. And then he said, oh, yeah, that was stupid. How can God love you? And the boy asked, why not? And Mani said, you're spoiled bread, it seems to me, disrespectful, selfish. How can God love somebody like you? God is stuck with you, though. He created you, right? You did not ask to be created. So he created you for a purpose. He needs you for something. And the boy said, cautiously, God needs me for what purpose? Manish said, how do I know? That's what God wants you first to discover. And the boy said, and what if I don't want to do anything that God wants me to do? Manish said, well, God also gave you freedom to choose. You can choose not to do anything. Or you can choose to kill someone that God created for a purpose. That is you. The boy said, God created me and God needs me? The rabbi, of course. Have you seen anything without a purpose? The boy. And how do I know what God wants from me? Manis. Most of the time a person can find out about the purpose when he or she is more or less educated, knows how to read, to search, to experiment, till he solves that puzzle. And you, you probably cannot do that anyway. You probably didn't do well in school. How can an ignorant person find out what God needs from him? God needs me? Mm. God needs me, the boy was repeating. Thanks, Rabbi, he said. Tell my mom that I'm okay. A couple of months later, the parents of the boy called the rabbi and told him that three days later, after the visit of the rabbi, the boy was discharged. He never spoke Anything about wanting to die again was in good mood most of the time and miraculously became a very good student. So, what made the boy recover and gave him that boost of life energy? I tell you what, the awareness that he was needed. I heard many times from people whose relatives either committed suicide or were deeply depressed or were drifting in life without a purpose. People saying, how can he do that? We all love him or cared for him or needed him, but that's all about them, how they felt. I said on this show already, it is more important to be needed than to be needy. When people are aware that they are needed, that gives them purpose in life, that keeps them going. My teacher of blessed memory, Madame Coletta Bouquer Muscat, lived till the age of 95. Every morning she got up prepared herself and by 7 o'clock in the morning, she either taught a class or received another patient. By the way, she didn't have patients. She never called people patients. Uh, She called them students. Everybody was a student but there were students who were learning like I was her way of working with other people and there were students of life uh, sharing with their challenges and she would guide them. We all needed her, but we all, all her students also understood that she needed us. So, Carol, God needs us to solve the puzzle, to find what our purpose is, and then to fulfill it. How do you know that you are on the right track? When you do something and it feels right. But in a couple of works, God wants us to make the earth a godly place. Regardless what you do, how you earn your living, you act in a godly way. And by that, you fulfill your purpose. Many years ago, Dr. Gerald Epstein, who was my mentor and who introduced me to Colette, once told me a story. He was invited to a graduation ceremony of the people who attended the Buddhist, whatever it's called, I'm not sure. I I heard this story probably 20 years ago. Uh, uh, There there is, in fact, in America, I don't know if it's called Buddhist Academy, but whatever it was, uh, uh, there was a group of students who were Graduating as lamas, as teachers of Buddhism. And Dalai Lama himself arrived to New York to participate in this graduation ceremony. So Jerry told me what happened there. After the speech of the head of the of this, whatever it's called, uh, monastery, or I don't know what it was... Uh, the students were offered to ask questions, to write little notes. It wasn't you were not addressing directly to the to Dalai Lama, but you were sending a note, and the note he would read the note and answer. And so he opened one note, and the note, and he read it out loud. And the note was saying, I am a dentist, uh, I am a graduate, and I would like to ask you how I could promote, enhance um, the, the teachings of the Buddha within my profession. And it, Jerry said that Dalai Lama seemed to be disappointed hearing uh, reading this note. And he simply said, unfold the eighth fold of the Buddhist path so then he opened another uh, little note and the person was saying I am I don't know what profession how could I promote Buddhism in the best way within my profession and Dalai Lama again looking disappointed said uh, unfold the eighth fold of the Buddhist path and most of the questions in these notes were basically asking the same question, uh, and the question was the questions were coming from the graduates, and that is how they could apply uh, uh, and promote these ideas of Buddhism in their respective professions. And Dalai Lama kept uh, be- was becoming more and more sad, looking more sad, and. So repeating the same unfold the eighth fold of the buddhist path and jerry said at that moment he understood that even what what probably dalai lama understood that they studied and i think they studied for three or four years in this academy but they didn't understand the most important thing they understood the eighth fold that the truth of buddhism but that they, they didn't understand a very simple thing. You, it doesn't matter what profession you belong to. You simply you don't teach concepts. You unfold. You live your profession through this basic tenets. That's all. Uh, you know. Um, Colette once asked, and that happened in front of me. There was a group of people, I don't know, I think she taught a class, and there was one man, I believe, who who, who shared that he was born from a, a Christian mother and a Jewish father. So by Jewish law, he was a Christian and he said to colette colette if i convert to judaism will i be closer to god and she said of course not if you convert to judaism you will be closer to judaism and if you stay uh, christian you will be closer to christianity and if you convert to, to islam you will be closer to islam how you live the tenets of the tradition uh, Will make you closer or further away From God, but the basic tenets of all traditions are very similar. i give you an idea the, What is eightfold of the Buddhist path? It's an obligation or a choice the Buddhist takes upon himself to live uh, To follow the path of right understanding that's one Right intent, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. Every single of these tenets are also in Talmud. Uh, They're just written, uh, not in such uh, uh, organized manner, but it's ideas. Uh, which which you find throughout Talmud uh, there are also four noble truths of Buddhism uh, and that the truth of suffering, that is, the teachings of the Buddha in fact, begin with the words, life is suffering then the truth of uh, cause and effect and the truth of how to find the end of suffering uh, and the truth of the path that leads to enlightenment. So then, then we have an older uh, tradition which some believe, uh, scientists believe that it's the oldest tradition which is 4,000 years old and that's Hinduism. One billion people follows Hinduism. It's the third largest religion in the world. The first one is Christianity, two point four billion people. The second one is Islam, one point nine billion, and Hinduism, one one billion people. Excuse me. <coughs> Let me have a sip of my ginger tea. But by the way, Hinduism is a complex system um, of many beliefs about the soul and uh, of each individual and then there is a universal soul uh, which comes from a single deity God so once I traveled with a friend uh, who was a practitioner of Hinduism for many years and I said to him you know you, you believe in many gods um, in facets of al- 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 uh, idolatry, and he said, "No, no, no. We believe in one God. It's just uh, all other gods are physical embodiments of principles or facets of God. But because people are simple and they would not understand that it's only principles, we created these uh, idols or." or what you call idols, he said, but it's uh, the god Vishnu, god Brahma, and Shiva, and Shakti, but it's all principles. And then he quoted, uh, in fact, part of Apanishads, uh, which says, when evil settles upon the world, God himself comes in the human form and restores the order, which means God, God, one, one God. So, Basically, uh, underlying principles of Hinduism and and um, Buddhism, and uh, b- by the way, uh, the same underlying principles of Taoism. The creation story of Taoism is very, in fact, very similar to that of of Judaism. That is described in Kabbalah. That is, in Taoism, the idea is in Kabbalah. We, we are talking about. The world uh, or the world of God being Ein Sof, that which is without end. And then Ein Sof gave rise in the physical world uh, to what we call Kater, the crown. And then Kater has the two pillars. Uh, and the top of the one pillar is Bina and another one is chokhma wisdom and understanding. Right? You just think... Uh, hear this words. So Ain Sof gives rise to Kater and Kater gives rise to Binan Kachma and what is in Taoism? Wu Qi, the infinite gives rise to Qi and Qi gives rise to Ying and Yang masculine and feminine basically pre- the same principle and if you go through and I'm, of course, I'm, n- I'm not going to even talk about Christianity and Islam because The underlying tenets are absolutely the same. There is uh, God and we are uh, living in physical world to manifest godliness in the physical world. So even though there are some differences and that's of course you know according to Christianity is that God actually it's split in three: the Holy Spirit, and and then Father, in heaven, and then Son, who came into the physical reality, to make to make the changes. Uh, in Islam, there is even l- less difference uh, between Islam and and main tenants of uh, Judaism, and main tenants of Islam, how it's lived and and a lot of writings are quite different from Judaism, but, but the main five pillars of Islam are pretty much declaration of faith and that's faith of in one God and that corresponds, of course, with the first commandment, I am your God, there is no God before, uh, before me, and then the prayer, that's another pillar um, of Islam, and then um, giving charity, they call it zakat, we call it siddaka, but basically being charitable, then fasting, it's another pillar of Islam, on Ramadan they fast till sunrise, or till sun- sunset for a whole month, and then one other tenant, which I don't do Judaism, uh, actually, it's, there is similarity, Uh the the fifth tenet of islam is pilgrimage once a in lifetime a muslim has to travel to mecca in judaism uh, a jew has to travel in fact three times at least in the times of temple of the uh, um, jerusalem temple three times a year on ma- on major holidays Uh, and to to bring sacrifice. But moral tenets are pretty much the same, and that is uh, be civil, be kind to other human beings, be tolerant, extend yourself to other people. Um, And I I think I spoke about it in the past, uh, that that's what my understanding and what the Hebrew writings say that God's intention in creating the world was basically to keep God company because God had everything except one thing, company, someone to give to. In fact, we were just talking about uh, being needy or being needed. God needed to be Needed God needed to be needed God needed someone to give to and so of course we have this inner call inner Need the desire to give to somebody else and that's when we feel fully alive Uh, And that's all (laughs) uh, about uh, this subject of the tradition and and how we find purpose. So, the basically the purpose in in two words uh, is um, finding what you came here to do, because you were created for a purpose. But it is your job to seek that purpose, and if you did not find it then finding it is the purpose on its own but if you need to make a living go ahead make the living nothing is wrong with that but while making that living you practice you what as as dalai lama said unfold the eightfold of the buddhist path if you are buddhist and while doing whatever making a living as a christian you live the christian tenets Uh, and if you're Hebrew, you follow those, you utilize those tenets as tools to live a better quality of life. You can be a plumber, you can be a physicist, you can be an engineer. Regardless of what you do, if you live those principles in your life, then you're bringing God to Earth. Then you're fulfilling your purpose. Okay now uh do we have any calls uh i don't see any calls so far so um, so then i will continue but please again uh, i will be glad to pause and get your receive your call if you if you call so we are now let's go back to finally um talking about our uh, main journey of these days, and that is through the chapters of the Bible, finding deeper meaning in every chapter. We left off on our exploration of the 18th chapter of Genesis at the point when God basically got tired bargaining with Abraham, if you remember. Uh, Abraham said, oh, you're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, but what if there are 50 people? What if there are 45 righteous people? And finally, what if there are 10 righteous people? And then God said, okay, I will spare this town if there are 10 righteous people. And then it's written, and God departed, which means the angels departed. And we start, uh, chapter 19, 19 begins with the story of Lot. The nephew of Abraham. Yeah. Oh, E from Edgewater. Okay, now we. I will take E from uh, um, the call from E from Edgewater, and then we'll continue chapter nineteen. E from Edgewater. I know who you are. You're on the air. Hello, Doctor Resnick. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm doing okay
1: but you know I'm still very uh upset about what's going on in the world like everybody else and I feel yeah. that we've uh we, we just don't learn from our past from our experiences from the past we keep repeating the same mistakes and and we keep taking from the tree of knowledge instead of uh you know doing
0: what God told us to do yeah, Eve from Edgewater. I want to ask you something? Can, can you, are you are you with me? Yes, I'm just having trouble hearing you. Oh, okay. I will maybe maybe I don't speak loud enough. Uh, make
1: the phone louder, maybe I don't know.
0: Yeah, I will. I, I, that's what I'm doing. I I hope you can hear me. You know, I heard e from you called already at least seven or eight times, and each time exactly. you're referring to. Uh, this error that people made of eating from the tree of knowledge, uh, and I agree with you hundred percent. But stay, uh, stating the problem does not make any changes. Doesn't help us to make any changes. I would love to hear your understanding of how we can start, not on a global a level for for I, I agree with you a lot of bad stuff is happening in the world but what is your idea on how we could begin begin to make changes on a local level what would what do you think would we have to start somewhere what's your thinking about it yeah i i, I i'm i'm not trying to
1: to uh repair things because I think we've gone past that point and I don't want to be uh, pessimistic, but I'm a realist and I'm, uh, and I'm seeing so many horrendous things happening. Mm-hmm. And, and just since 1960, 1960 is not that far away. It was only, it was only 60 years ago and yes. there was only 4 billion people on the planet. And now we have double that. And the, and the reason why that is is because some evil people that have been tricked by the devil and they're so corrupt that they wanted us to multiply, multiply, multiply so they could make lots of money off twice as many people in a short amount of time. So now they have this thing and they tricked us to believe that the school system was the correct thing. See, we, that's where we messed up the king and queens in europe they developed this school system and then they wanted to put it on us so we would be taking from the tree of knowledge you see we, we're not understanding what this
0: is all going to be leading to or, what, when each took e, from so, the tree e, of e, knowledge e, i'm sorry was, let's have a dialogue you say i say you say i say because you you really have good ideas but i would like to kind of pull Out Of you your intelligence and see how we can all benefit from your intelligence see so my question to you Yeah, I know I agree with you the tree of knowledge and it's all mistakes, but You say you don't want to be pessimistic But you are pessimist being pessimistic because you're saying there is nothing can be done Cannot as long as we're alive. We can make an effort and see We can see what will happen if we say nothing can be done. We do nothing do you have any idea of, okay. of simple okay, changes? I understand
1: what impact. you're saying, but, uh, you know, it's, it's simple for me to not take from the knowledge, you know, to say we can live like the Native Americans were living and they live their lives a certain way where they didn't destroy things. We're destroying stuff in an attempt. See, where the point I'm trying to get to is Eve was punished and Adam was punished because they took from the tree of knowledge and they lost immortality. Now what's going on is the people that have been tricked by the devil and they're in control of the planet. Now they are trying to become immortal again by using technology and science. You see, mm-hmm. they can extend their lives indefinitely with machine parts And getting transplants and 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 all of these stem cells, we should have never even known about. If we didn't take from the tree of knowledge, we wouldn't have weapons. We wouldn't have war. We wouldn't have all
0: these. Uh, Let me let me now take a break a little now. Let me talk. Let's let's have dialogue again. So what I heard you say one thing that you suggest is that we have to live more uh, natural life, be connected. Uh, to the earth just like Native Americans lived. So that's a very useful Suggestion some people may consider it another thing what I hear you suggesting is that we We're trying to rely on machines and we're trying and I've seen these horrible pictures of people doing facelifts and changes they changing their bodies rather than living an authentic life Uh, Being connected with their age, connected with with the reality, with real food, with real wrinkles on their face—is that? uh, Am I following you right or not? Yes, you're following me right. But to see,
1: uh, you you don't let me get to the point that's very important because if we don't get out of this illusion and see what's really going on here, we're going to think. That what's going on in Israel and, and Palestine and Ukraine and Russia are normal things that's been going on since the, since, uh, the last 200 years, let's
0: say. So we what makes
1: your point? You you wanted to make a point. Yeah. I
0: want you to make the point. So what is your point? The point is, we got used to
1: this kind of things going on in that part of the world with with Israel and Palestine. So we think it's the same thing again, but it's not the same thing this time. This time, it's about getting rid of people. It's nothing about, you know, what it was before. The same in in Ukraine and Russia, getting rid of people. Because mm-hmm. they don't need us anymore. If they have machines to replace us with I, that don't require hear, food and I water, hear. see, they don't want to lose. the
0: I hear you. Yeah, I have to tell you something. Are, are you with me? Yes, I'm with you. Okay, I have to tell to tell you something. I recently spoke to a good friend of mine, uh, who actually interviewed on this on this radio show who who wrote wonderful books and he said to me the same thing that you're saying he said what is happening now the globalists are not really interested in making peace they're interested in wars so more and more people would die so i he he totally agrees with you so but i would like i would like i still i'm sorry for pushing you i would like you to to suggest something okay you say we must not be part of that in what way do we must you, do we can, not can watch television like, do su- suggest something practical it's-
1: It's hard to suggest something practical when we're stuck in this illusion. What I'm trying to do is get people to be aware of the illusion that they're in so that they can get out of it and stop doing the things they're doing. We are the dumbest, stubbornest creatures on the
0: planet, and we're destroying this place. Okay, but if they stop doing what they're doing, what do you want them to do instead? one thing you already suggested to go back to nature and live without contaminating our planet more like native americans okay any any other suggestions you you have well
1: like i said it's it's too it's because the the, the 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 shifting of the pendulum has gone so far to the devil's side he has us all hypnotized and, and thinking everything is uh, is wonderful, and all of these uh, things that we're getting—cell uh, phones and computers—they're all great. Everybody seems to enjoy them so much. We should be saying no to these and things. We've got to go back to before electricity, because electricity made it possible to for for them to do all these bad things for for people. And we're not seeing it. We're only seeing the good things. When I brought this up to Gary No, he said, oh, we have the greatest education system in the world. We, we, without this, we wouldn't have all these good things. And he named all these. But he didn't name all the bad things. And if yeah. he may started naming the bad things and started weighing out the issue, he would see that there's way more bad things created from education than good
0: things. So he, I, 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 I absolutely agree with you. You know this? Uh, the most educated race, uh, uh, nation in the world, was Germany, and they produced horrific, horrific war that took 60 million people. 60 million people were killed, including Germans, during the World War II. And yet they were educated. Education never resolved problems of human beings. Morality did. That's what right, not
1: that in And that was also a manipulation, so they could get to the point we're at now. Is where they, they want us to think that we're dying because Mother Nature's putting all these fires and floods and storms on us. No, they're doing that because John, Lyndon Johnson, the president, in 1963, when he took over from murdering Kennedy, and they did a coup on us, and this country has been taken over by evil, corrupt people. And we've been following along since 1963 with their plan, which is to eliminate us. And why would they want to eliminate us, Dr. Resnick? Because we're nice people. We want to do work, we want, but we want to be paid for what we do. And we need food and water, and that puts a big tax on the planet to 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 make enough food and water for 8 billion people and keeps getting more and more this is not the good way to go i got it. got it and and now that there's so many people on the world it's it's hard to come up with a way to change things
0: yes <laughs> e from edgewater thank you very much for calling you made good points good points thank you thank you for calling so I will, I have to say uh, i noticed something I've, I've been pushing Eve from Edgewater uh, To suggest something practical But he actually did suggest Something very practical in addition to Us getting back to nature He said I want people to become aware Thank you Eve from Edgewater. You're absolutely right awareness is one of the most important tools that has to come before change. So, I hope, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you pay attention to what he said, because indeed we need to be aware of where our inclinations come from, where our desires come from, uh, where our political views come from. If we have a certain view, we have to ask ourselves, is that something that comes from deep from deep inside, from moral values that I grew up with, that my parents imparted in me to me, or it comes from propaganda, or it comes from what neighbors say or what in style today or what the crowd says. We, this is a very difficult time now because we are bombarded by Information and by what Eve from Edgewater said by hypnosis mass hypnosis mass suggestions um, so We have to do a lot of soul searching and My suggestion also study history before you make any judgments and uh, e brought up two events that are happening now that are very disturbing, even though unfortunately other disturbing events are not given that much attention, but they are happening. There are many wars happening and a lot of people are slaughtered around the world. But these two events, the conflict between um, Hamas and Israel and between Russia and Ukraine, so I would very much recommend if you want to be fully aware of what's happening, read history. And read history from different sources. Not from Wikipedia or CNN or Fox News. No. Go to Encyclopedia Britannica. Go to um, you can listen to if you decide to listen to CNN you have to listen to something like fox if you decide if you listen to fox you have to listen to cnn and hear different opinions if you speak french listen to french news Uh, listen to bbc i listen also to russian news because i speak russian and ukrainian news because i speak ukrainian so that you get as much information as possible but mostly you have to know history And then make up your own mind. Anyway, I'm grateful that Ephraimed water called, and we go back to chapter nineteen, which as I said begins with the story of the nephew of Abraham Lot, who welcomes strangers into his house. He did not know that they, they were angels, the same angels who went to Sodom. Uh, with the intention to destroy it so he just like Abraham appears to be a nice guy he welcomes the strangers but a good question here to ask is what was he doing in Sodom in the first place Sodom was a place of selfishness abuse thievery and rape it was customary there to rape strangers and to never give anyone a place for refuge ah here is the tragedy of the ambivalent mind a person with no clear cut boundaries remember when he parted with Abraham in the previous chapter he chose the area for his dwelling which was fertile, rich fields for his flocks, but he knew that he would be living next to people of questionable values. Yet, since the place promised to be a suitable place for his needs, he lowered his standards. This is the value and the lesson of Lord's story to us in our everyday life. If someone of something you want is available, but to attain it you must lower your moral standards, don't do it. It looks like you gained from it first, but sooner or later there is a price to pay. So we read in the verse 1 of chapter 19 and the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of the Sodom, and Lot saw and arose toward them, and he prostrated himself on his face to the ground, and he said, Behold, now my lords, please turn to your servant's house, and stay overnight, and wash your feet, and you shall arise early to go on your way. And they said, No, but he will stay overnight in the streets. And he urged them strongly, because remember he knew that it was not safe in that town, but he was a hospitable person, right? And he urged them strongly, and they turned in to him, and came into his house, and he made them a feast, and he baked unleavened cakes, and they ate. So, the angels are looking for the righteous people in the city, right? Mm -hmm. Now, verse 4. When they had not yet retired, and the people of the city, the people of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, the entire populace, from every end of the city, and they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us and let them let us be intimate with them. Remember, because this is this is uh, the Torah and the Torah then don't use bad language. So intimate meaning let us rape them. So that was customary in the city. If strangers wandered in the city, they would be raped. And and Lot verse six, and Lot came out to them. To the entrance and shut the door behind him and he said my brother please do not do evil behold now i have two daughters who were not intimate with the men i will bring them out to you and do to them as you fit that's a weird thing only to those men do nothing because they came under the shadow of my roof this law of hospitality is very very strong now even in the Middle East, if you go to visit people in their home, uh, Arabs are incredibly hospitable people. Israel is incredibly hospitable. They share with you everything. It's like a law. The same thing, by the way, with people like gypsies, you know, in what they call um, Romana people in Europe. You come to their home, you're, you're there. There is actually in Arabic, I don't know how to say it, but the 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 saying is, "I'm your slave," meaning you can demand anything. You are my guest, so you're the king here. This is quite a dramatic response the lot has. Take my daughters, but don't don't take the strangers because they they are under my protection. He was willing to sacrifice his daughters. I don't think he was bluffing to protect a stranger to whom he offered his hospitality. But they said, listen, they said, back away. And they said, this one come to subjoin, and he is judging. Basically what they were saying was this guy chose to live among us. He himself is a stranger and he is trying to tell us how to live. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you choose to be in a place which does not respect cleanliness, do not be surprised if you find yourself being in filth. If you choose to be in a relationship with someone who is selfish, do not be surprised when he suddenly turns on you when suddenly you feel all alone, if you're dealing with challenges, because he or she is not interested in helping you. He or she is interested only in using you. Don't be surprised. Just leave. Verse 9. Now we will deal even worse with you than with them. And they pressed hard upon the man Lot, and they drew near the the door, and interesting, but not one word is in vain, so why is it written, man, Lot? Of course he is not a woman, it's written he was a nephew of Abraham, because man, Lot, man, because it's a man's responsibility, as opposed to these days, they're saying there is no difference between men and women, but it's a man's responsibility to protect his home, his family. And so th- then the angels are coming out uh, and the verse 10 says, and, ma- uh, and the man, the angels, stretched forth their hands and they made all those people blind. They blinded them so that they could not find the door. And the men who were at the entrance of the house were struck with blindness, both small and great, and they toiled in vain to find the entrance. So, and then, the angels basically are saying, listen, get a, you better get ready, we're going to destroy this town, and... You need to to get out of here, and Lot is tr- rushing to to take his daughters who are already married, who were not living with in the, his house, and the, his father sons-in-law to to inform them that something terrible will happen. And when he goes to tell them that the angels arrived and it's an evil city, it's written. Uh, in the verse 14 uh, they saw him they looked at him as if he were a comedian which means they did not listen to him of course that later they get destroyed with the rest of people of Saddam but what, what does it teach us? if we allow ourselves to be with people who are of lower standards we, in which we try to speak with them the lower language will not be understood they will look at us as we as if we were a comedians or we are lunatics so don't speak to people who you know will not understand you uh, just don't be with them don't live with them make the right choices in your life because if you spend time surrounded by people of low moral standards or people who are not that intelligent, don't then complain that you're in a bad company. You belong there. This is your choice. Find a way. You can live in a smaller house. You can live more modestly. But you have to be next to people who are like-minded, who share your values. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I, as usual, I didn't I did not cover uh, a lot of material that I wanted to, but I'm very glad that uh, Eve from Edgewater called and we could have a little dialogue. And I'm looking forward to you calling in the future and sharing with you, with the audience and with me, your thoughts. Please, again, if you have any questions, send me an email. It's peter18resnik at gmail.com. I hope to have your attention a week from now, next Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Thank you for being with me today and have a beautiful life, beautiful week. Peace to all who want to live in peace.